Welcome to Amplify, the Revolution Her podcast, dedicated to uplifting, empowering, and amplifying women's voices globally. Community is a powerful collective of women who are ready to live the lives they always dreamed they would. Together, our strength as inspiring and ambitious women is truly unstoppable. I'm Maria Locker, founder and CEO of Revolution Her. And I'm your co-host, Grace Moores, founding partner of Revolution Her. And today we're talking with Cassandra Reinhardt on quieting the mind and alleviating stress. So Cassandra Reinhardt is an Ottawa-based yin and vinyasa yoga instructor YouTuber, author, and the face behind Yoga with Cassandra. She is on a mission to help others feel great with yoga and is one of the first yoga instructors to embrace online teaching. Her Yoga with Cassandra YouTube channel has now grown to more than 2.3 million subscribers and has over 277 million views. That's very impressive. Um, Cassandra is the author of Yin Yoga, Stretch the Mindful Way, and Year of Yoga, Rituals for Every Day and Every Season. Cassandra and her channel have been featured in CBC, Bustle, Pop Sugar, Well and Good, and L Australia. We have so much to talk about when it comes to quieting the mind and alleviating stress today. Please help us welcome Cassandra Reinhardt. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. What a lovely intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've just done so much and and we did this off air. We mentioned to you, you know, we're big fans. Um since the beginning, you've been doing so much for the yoga community and just helping people uh, find ways to stretch and move and just be calm. So that is what we need today. We're so excited to talk about this. And really, um, we want to start right at the beginning. We're just going to dive right in because we have so much to learn from you, as does our community. But we want to know really what led you to yoga and how it's helped you along the years. I stumbled into yoga. I think I was about 18 years old when I took my first yoga class. I really had no idea what the practice of yoga entailed. I came from the world of dance. I grew up doing a lot of ballet and other styles of dance. And even though I was very active and you think of ballet as being obviously something that requires a lot of flexibility, I always struggled with flexibility. So yoga was just something that another student recommended to me say why don't you go to yoga maybe it'll help you and I went uh, I can't say that I fell in love with it right away some people have that lightning bolt experience for me it took a little while to find the right teacher and the right style of yoga before it really clicked so I started you know periodically at around 18 years old just attending classes here and there when I found my teacher that I really connected with then I really dove into the practice and it was a big game changer for me. Um, of course, I had physical improvements that I saw from it, big physical benefits. So I did, I was able to improve my flexibility a lot more. I was getting a lot stronger. It was helping with my balance, but there was a greater mental health component and emotional health component that came at play. So I noticed I grew up with a lot of insomnia issues as a child and as a teenager, especially 
yoga was extremely helpful for that. Um, all forms of stress and anxiety, not that it made it go away. It just gave me the tools on what to do when that happens. Um, and when I'm in those, you know, anxiety spirals and spikes. Um, and it was also just an introduction to a new philosophical system, you know, a new spiritual system, something that I didn't realize I was craving at that time. You know, it gave me something I didn't know I needed, but I really resonated and connected with it. So I kind of just ended up throwing myself into it and ended up becoming a teacher. And now here I am so many years later. <laughs> wow. I love that. And I love how there are so many different types of yoga and you're so right in terms of there's so much we can learn as coping mechanisms, especially in today's society. It's so busy and it's so, there's just so much going on. We're all even at a very young age. And I love how yoga is incorporated at all ages too. So, um, Maria and I are both, I've both tried different types of yoga, various mm -hmm. styles, but can you share more about the mental and physical benefits of yin yoga for aches and pains? And especially I've, I've experienced some of yin yoga, especially when I started to go through perimenopause. Um, and it was great. I, I loved it. It was a really great help. I'd love you to exp explain more about that. Yeah, for sure. So I was primarily introduced to vinyasa yoga and yin is something that I came to a few years into the process and it's quite different from what people normally think of when they think of a yoga class where when people imagine a yoga class, they're thinking of standing poses, maybe working on strength, working on flexibility. And that was primarily what I had been doing. Yin yoga is different where it's a blend of... um the Hatha yoga system. So it'll take poses from classical yoga, but it's also blended with the theory of traditional Chinese medicine. So there's a little bit of a hybrid approach. So in a yin yoga practice, you're holding passive poses for an extended period of time. So rather than focusing on strength and standing poses and, you know, doing your downward dog, what people are probably familiar with and warrior poses, in yin, all of the poses are done either sitting or lying down. And rather than being in a pose for just a few breaths, we're in it for about three to five minutes. And the idea, there are three principles originally coined by Sarah Powers. It's to um, hold the pose, resolve to be still, um, and you know relax the tension through the body. So we're trying to target and access parasympathetic nervous system, which is wonderful at facilitating this like rest and relaxation. It helps us um, process stress. So that's a great component of it. It's also because we're holding passive poses for an extended period of time, we're trying to do it in a way where we're relatively comfortable. We're trying to relax our bodies, not contract our muscles. There's a lot of props. It's meant to be fairly relaxing. That doesn't mean it isn't intense because you're really targeting the fascia and the deep connective tissues of the body. So sometimes people will call yin yoga, the yoga of the joints, because even though it's not a strength building practice, it does have a lot of strengthening benefits for your joints. But this idea of being in a pose for three to five minutes can be very uncomfortable and that it was uncomfortable for me for a long time. 
Yin has been the best style for me when it comes to stress and anxiety because all of a sudden you're in a pose. It's quite sensational. You know, you're in a big stretch, you're feeling it, and there's nowhere to go. There's no way to distract yourself. You really become super present to your internal dialogue, to your thought process, to the tension that you're holding in your body in a way that I was unable to really access in, let's say, a vinyasa yoga class where I'm going from pose to pose, one breath at a time. It's easier for me to distract myself, to not really be in my body, to kind of just fling myself back and forth through my poses. Whereas in yin, there's nowhere to go. You're in there so long. It can be very confronting and very uncomfortable in a way, but it was also an amazing opportunity for like personal growth. And it really has made the biggest difference for me personally when it comes to insomnia and stress and anxiety overall. And just emotional processing. Like if you're going through a hard time, if you're going through grief, like yin is a really great practice to turn to. Yeah, I I really loved it. I as an experience that I would do it probably a couple of times a week. I've fallen off the wagon since, but while while I was doing it, I absolutely loved it. It was super relaxing, but you have those intense moments. Mm-hmm. That, but I also found that I slept so much better. My mind was calmer. It was a, a wonderful experience. I really enjoyed it. So highly recommend it. You need to go back. I do <laughs> need to go back. And we'll talk and about that later. We too. will. Well, and I just want to say too, I love, so I want to like rewind a teeny bit because at the beginning you said, you know, you tried yoga and you wouldn't necessarily say that you fell in love with it. And I think so many of us here, oh my gosh mindfulness, meditation, yoga, these are all things you need in order to be grounded and to, you know, kind of find yourself and do these things, but it's not easy at the beginning. And, you know, for anyone listening, thinking, you know, yeah, but I've tried it and it wasn't for me. I love that you shared that it does take some persistence. It does take some consistency to find the flow that you want. Um, and on the opposite side of that, it's finding the time to practice. So once you find the methodology that you like, can you talk about how we can use yoga in a bite-sized approach so that, you know, we can keep coming back at it and not dropping, like Grace said, like falling off the wagon. For me, it's been about three months. I haven't gone back. You know, how can we do this in a bite-sized way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of like finding, there are so many different kinds of yoga styles, right? So many different expressions of the practice. They're all very different one from another. And then there are so many different teachers and each teacher is going to have their own spin and their own perspective on it. So it's really like this process of fitting a puzzle piece, you know, you're trying to find the right fit. So I I don't want people to get discouraged if someone recommended yoga to them, they tried it and they just didn't like it or it didn't work for them or it was too easy. It was too hard. It was too fast. It was too slow. It was, you know, whatever it is, it, they might just not have found the right fit for them. There are so many other styles and teachers to explore. When they do find something that they resonate with, the beauty about this practice, even though in studio settings, you know, if you're going to attend a yoga class, for the most part, those are 60-minute classes. That's a big chunk of time. It's also a big um, financial <laughs> commitment. They're not cheap, right? Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, maybe they have to find childcare on top of that. They have to commute back and forth from the studio. It's not the most accessible venue. So it's not necessarily realistic for people to do an hour of yoga at the studio every single day. 
I am a huge fan of this mentality that a little bit done consistently is much more effective than a lot done every now and then, right? So if if people can do 10 to 15 minutes of mindful movement, of yoga, whether that's breathing, meditation, or mindful movement every day in the comfort of their own homes with something free like YouTube or a DVD that they bought, you know, or just their own practice moving their body intuitively, if they're at that level and at that part of their practice, they will see better benefits than if they go to a studio class once a week. I'm not knocking the studio classes. It's amazing to go in person, to have direct feedback from a teacher, to be in a community setting. There are so many phenomenal benefits to in-person group studio classes. But if the goal is to introduce something new to your routine that is actually realistic, that is manageable, that can help you feel different and feel better every day, I highly recommend like uh, something I'm quite known for is a 10 minute morning yoga practice. I probably have hundreds, hundreds of those on my YouTube channel by now because people can actually manage to do those. It's actually realistic to do 10 minutes every morning versus trying to commit to these super long practices. It also takes away the pressure sometimes with goal setting when we have high motivation to start a new you know, routine, like we're really motivated to do it. And maybe we're able to keep up with an hour a day for a little while, But when motivation dies down, you need discipline to keep you Mm -hmm. back up. And sometimes we're just setting ourselves up for failure by having our goals be too big. So just beginning with 10 minutes a day. And if you feel like doing more, great, do more. But just, you know, rewarding yourself for the consistency of doing something bite size, I found is much more profound. And people have just been able to stick with it a lot more. You know, it's just much more realistic in people's lives. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's, you're so right. It's so important to have those options and experience that in studio, in studio experience. Um, but whether life changes or, you know, motivation drops off, whatever the reason, sometimes it's not always easy to get in there. So I love that you have these bite sizes, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and that they are, just as valuable. That's that's really important. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit more about how we can use yoga to combat that burnout. Yeah. So I I kind of had a little mini burnout in like 2021, you know, mid-pandemic. I feel like 2020 um for some reason it was like a, a great year for me in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because all of a sudden everyone was at home. So I was busier than ever <laughs> producing yeah. content and making videos. And I felt really useful. Like I felt in my purpose. I felt like I had something to, I was able to help, you know, in a difficult mm-hmm. situation. So it was really a great year. But then 2021 hit and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a global pandemic. And it all kind of hit me at once. Yeah. <laughs> and I was overworked and, you know, I pulled myself. I just I just stressed myself out too thin. So I had a little experience with that burnout feeling, not to the severity that I know a lot of people experience burnout. Um, I think I I ended up having a lot of people reach out and say, what can I do for burnout? What yoga class is good for burnout? As if they were looking for like a, a one size fits all approach. The thing with burnout that I found to be the most profound and relevant is not to The last thing you want to do is 
add something else to your to-do list and to make yourself do something that feels like a chore and that if you don't do it, it'll now feel like another failure or something that you've missed and for some reason have been unable to do. So everyone's flow with using yoga to to cope or get out navigating burnout is going to look a little bit different. I think the most important part is that it should be enjoyable. So whether your yoga practice for burnout is something that is super high powered, high energy, gets the you know blood flowing, your heart pumping, you're sweating. For some people, that's really what they need. They need to be brought out of like a lethargic state with dynamic movement. For others, the energy has been so depleted, their yoga practice is going to be laying down in Shavasana in corpse pose for 10 minutes or putting their legs up the wall for 20 minutes a day because they can look forward to that. They can give themselves permission. Now I'm allowed to be so lazy, to do nothing, you know, to to remove the pressure and the responsibility. So it looks different from person to person, but I found for me a key component was also going back to I think with burnout, you kind of lose yourself a little bit and like you lose a little bit of that sense of identity. So going back to who I was as a kid, what did I like doing as a child? You know, what was really fun for me? And I loved moving. I loved dancing. So my yoga practice ended up being very flowy, very fun, very, you know, dynamic in that way. Um, But it'll look different for each person. But giving yourself the permission to have it look different than what other people think it should look like is going to be key to reclaiming your identity, you know, through this burnout fog that can be really um, isolating and very confusing as well. I love that you said that. And, And I think what's really interesting, too, is, you know, if you go and you check out Cassandra's YouTube channel, you have so many options available for people, just like you said. And just this idea that no one size fits all. Burnout is a very real thing. And I think half the time, you know, we do think it's a a quick fix. So I appreciate that, you know, you've gone deeper and you've kind of explored even with your own um, experiences, different ways that people can kind of climb out of that period uh, that they might be having in their times. And it should be something that looks to relax you and help you out of your funk, right? Not a to-do list. So I I very much appreciate that because usually that burnout comes from Let's just say like most women have experienced burnout at some point because they're just constantly saying yes and they're constantly putting more and more on their plate that right. they really their plate is way over full and food is dropping on the floor and we're still going. <laughs> so yep. And I, um, I love also that you said about, you know, lying down in corpse pose for 10 yes. minutes. It's like giving them that permission to just take that that break and lie and have your wall, your legs up the wall for, for 20 minutes. You said, oh, my God, that I, I love that. That's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, um, it's such an amazing feeling. And it's 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 giving yourself the permission to do these things as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. Yes. you covered that. Yeah. And to not call it you know, if you're experiencing burnout and you're finding yourself maybe going to bed earlier or you're laying down more and maybe the messaging associated with that is, oh, I'm being lazy. I'm not doing what I should be doing. Instead, do that, but call it yoga. (laughs) (laughs) I'm practicing yoga right now. Like this (laughs) is actually what I should be doing. I should be laying down. It's good for me to be doing this. It's good for me to be 
slowing down, doing less, resting more, you know, and not having this shame or prescription around it or judgment around what else? Yeah. The guilt of what else, how else could I be using my time or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever messaging comes up in your head. It's just like, no, this is yoga and I'm allowed to take this time for myself, whether it's lying down, legs up the wall, doing a guided meditation, working on my breathing Mm -hmm. um, or doing something maybe a little bit more invigorating for some people that is what they crave. But yeah, you're allowed. It's allowed. You're allowed to to do that. It's totally fine. I give everyone permission. (laughs) (laughs) So I, yes, I appreciate that too. And I want to talk a little bit about habits because, um, actually I need to reference, have either of you watched life in pieces on Netflix? No, you were telling me about this the other day. I've got a note of it that I have to not familiar with it. Yeah. Okay. So write it down life in pieces. It's a quick, like 30 minute. It's, just a feel good sitcom. Um, but there is one of the characters, Jen, and she is a very like high profile lawyer, um, very, you know, young mom. And she's like, she finally figures out that if she tells her husband and she tells everybody, I'm meditating, um, she can sneak off into a bedroom and play Candy Crush and no one's going <laughs> to bug her because, <laughs> because she's in her zone. And then when she comes out, she actually is so much calmer. She's so much happier. And everyone's like, whoa, this meditation is really working for Jen until she gets busted and says, actually, I just needed alone time. I just needed to be away from everybody and do something that made me smile. And so I love that episode because I have tried meditation. I do actually really enjoy it. Same kind of thing as yoga for me. I just fall out of practice until I feel yeah. like I really need it again. But meditation and affirmations, I find, you know, they're not just buzzwords. They're things that have come up so much more in the mainstream now. And I think for really good reasons. Um, but I would love to know if you have a way that people can start to build these healthy habits on a regular routine and some of the benefits you've seen from things like affirmations and meditation outside of yoga practice. Yeah. I struggled a long time with meditation for the same reason I struggled with yin yoga when I was first introduced to it was it's just, it was very hard for me to sit still and do nothing and think of nothing, you know, like that doesn't super work well for my um, ADHD brain and a good pathway. Of course, repetition does help. It does get easier with time. The more that you do it and the more committed that you stay to it. However, I also found that for me, a great technique, like I found affirmations from Louise Hay when I was a teenager, and it was such a life-changing concept to me. And it really made me aware at how much I had these negative thoughts playing in my head, almost like a tape recorder that I wasn't even really aware of. So the process of actively trying to infuse myself with positive statements versus the negative ones was a huge change in perspective. And I really saw my life change as a result of that, you know, looking at the world from a completely different perspective. Something that worked really well for me for both meditation and doing affirmations or affirmations like affirmations in a meditation was to do it on a walk. So I found that if I added movement and made it more of a movement meditation, it was a lot easier for me to actually be present and focus on nothing else but the meditation Mm -hmm. or the affirmations. So I, 
at first I really had to keep my body moving. Um, so other people, if you have ADD, ADHD, you might find that to be a good tool to start off with. Is so to how keep did your you body do that? It was audio. So I would do either a guided meditation or like the insight timer app or um, like recorded affirmations that I would just listen to while I was walking the dog or going off for a walk. So it was really the first piece was to have the guided meditation yeah. in my ears and walk. So that was really great. I was able to only focus on that. And if I would notice my mind wandering to, you know, looking at the people who are walking along, I would just redirect and come back to the audio tape. Mm. Eventually I was able to do no audio and just do like a meditative walk and instead focusing on um, the five senses. So the color of the trees, the smells that I'm noticing, you know, the feel of the wind or the clothing that I'm wearing. So making it really tactile, that was a really good way for me to stay in the present moment, which truly is all a meditation is trying to do is to try to bring you to this present moment. It's a myth that while we meditate, we're supposed to not think of anything at all. You would be dead if that was the case. <laughs> like, thoughts are going to come up. The The idea with meditation is that when you notice a thought come up, you're able to notice it, not get caught up in the storyline of it and just come back into yourself. Mm. So focusing on the breath can be really nice. Focusing on what you're looking at can be really great. Um, doing it while you're walking is phenomenal. Doing a guided meditation can be great to really anchor your focus. Another one that I like, like I have a little candle in front of me now, um, flame gazing meditation was one that worked really well for me. So you keep your eyes open and you just gaze at the flame. I feel like we've probably all experienced that around a campfire, you yeah. know, and how hypnotizing a campfire can be. So we can really learn to leverage these tools. And again, it's giving ourselves permission to not force ourselves to do something the way we think it should be done, the way we imagine meditation as being full silence, sitting, eyes closed, focusing on nothing, thinking of nothing. That's great. And it might work. And I can do that now, but it took me years to get to that point. And at the end of the day, I still feel a better benefit if I'm moving my body while doing some kind of meditation. So oh it really is going to be different for each person and easier for some, harder for others. I love that you said that. That's like a bit of an aha moment for me because I've always thought of meditation as being still and rigid and it fits within these parameters. And the fact that you've opened it up for going for a walk that's, I mean, I always feel so much better walking in nature and, and being outside, it's funny how you don't assimilate the two together. Yeah. So, um, so wow. Yeah. Thanks for that. I really appreciate and it. Even, <laughs> even when we're thinking about, you know, the regular kind of meditation where you're just sitting, you're closing your eyes and nothing else is happening. That's great, but you might need something before you're able to get to meditation. So, you know, one of the reasons yoga poses came to be were, they were meant to prepare the body for meditation. So we were meant to move our bodies and get the excess energy out and get those excessive thoughts out so that then we can relax our bodies and be comfortable, first of all, because a lot of people are just uncomfortable sitting down for so long. It hurts our hips, it hurts our lower back. So moving beforehand, doing yoga beforehand can be really 
um, a great tool to make a more classical style of meditation more comfortable and easier, but it also helps to clear away the nervous energy. Like whenever I've been through high periods of stress and anxiety, people always will recommend meditation. That doesn't work for me. If I'm super stimulated, super stressed, super anxious, I need to actually move my body first and get that nervous energy out before I even attempt to sit still, you know, and clear my thoughts. There's just too much going on. Or I need to do like a stream of consciousness journaling, like just word vomit, get all of the ideas and the things that are in my head out to paper. Then maybe I can do a classical Mm. style of meditation. So if you've tried meditating in the traditional way, just sitting with your eyes closed, observing your breath, trying not to, you know, obsess over your thoughts, and it hasn't worked for you, it might not be because you're not good at meditating. It might just be because you needed a little bit more preparation beforehand, you know, whether journaling or moving your body or doing breath work, something else was required to give yourself the best possible chance at having um, a positive meditation experience. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, (laughs) Well, and so, I mean, I've tried different apps. I actually, but I would love your opinion. Like what would be your recommended, let's say top three ways that people can tap into? I mean, obviously aside from your YouTube channel, because everyone should be looking at that um, because you have so much good content on there. But for someone who wants to, look into guided meditation or affirmations. Anything you can suggest? I mean, there's one app that's pretty popular called the Insight Timer app, and they have a lot of different kinds of um, meditations. But even at the most basic level, if people don't even want an app, I would just get the timer on your phone and put it to three minutes if you're totally new to it or five minutes. And you can practice, you know, just being with yourself until the timer goes off. And again, you will have lots of thoughts. The idea is to just watch your thoughts as if you were looking at clouds drifting across the sky. Don't get caught up in the story. Don't get caught up in daydreaming and fantasy and rushing to the next thing on your to-do list. When you notice that happening, just say, oh, it happened again. Let's come back to my breath. You know, I find either focusing on Uh, the breathing in and out through the nose or focusing on physical sensations is a great way to stay anchored and to come back to that present moment. So a timer can be really good, keeping it really short. Um, I found also it was easier for me to do it at night or either first thing in the morning or last thing before I go to bed because I'm in a more relaxed state anyway. So I don't have to prepare quite as much. So people can experiment with that. Just putting a timer, you know, right when you wake up in the morning, even when you're still in bed, you can just sit up and it might be a little bit easier. You don't have to fight so much with Mm -hmm. the thoughts. And same thing right before going to bed when you're already quite tired, um, even doing like a guided evening meditation or yoga nidra practice can be super nice too. That's awesome. I really like that. You've this has been such a great discussion. I have loved, I have really loved this. Um, and you've given us so many tips for for quieting the mind and alleviating that stress and that burnout. There are so many tools available to us, and sometimes it's just 
making that step to to find the best ones for us and you've given us so many resources so thank you for that now before we do move on is there anything else that you would like to tell us do you have any other tips that before we move on to our rapid fire that you think we might have missed today well, something that I think about that I've noticed in my own life is that I'm really good at staying committed and consistent with my self-care practices. So yoga, meditation, journaling, going for long walks. When things are going good in my life, I'm really consistent with them. Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and it's actually the times when I need it the most that it feels the hardest for some reason to do the things that I know I want to do. Um, I haven't quite figured that part out, but <laughs> I think the first step is just I'm aware of it now. So even now I'll notice that I'll notice that I don't want to do my self-care practices before I've even realized like, oh, you're in a period of anxiety right now. So I haven't even registered that I'm really stressed out and that I'm having a hard time, but I know I am because I'm resisting doing the things I know I should be doing. So that's been a really interesting thing to notice for me. It's not that, oh, I feel stressed and now I don't want to do my self-care practices. It's that for some reason, I don't want to do my self-care practices oh, maybe there's something going on inside of me. Maybe there's a difficult emotion. There's a conflict maybe with someone that I'm not acknowledging or I'm feeling pressure, I'm feeling stress or depression, whatever it may be. So it's been a good indicator to kind of reverse engineer it that way. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's challenging because it's like when you're feeling good, you have more motivation to do all of those things. When you're not feeling so good, then it's discipline that kind of has to carry you through those harder yeah. parts. It's a lot easier to stay disciplined if you've already been consistent with something and you've already noticed the benefits and you felt the effects of your commitment. Um, so if you're feeling good and you're listening to this, then there's no better time to start than now, because hopefully it'll serve you well if you do hit a wall and do go through a rough patch. Yeah, I like that. Oh, that makes me feel so much better. Is that crazy? <laughs> it does. That makes me feel so much better. I think it's that permission thing. I just always feel like I'm yeah. letting myself down if I if I don't do the things that I've said for how many years I want to do. Um mm. So I and it's noticing, that. noticing when you're starting yeah. to drop off. You may, like you say, yeah. you may not realize that that you're heading heading into that stress, but that's your first sign because you're starting to. This is great. Thank yeah. you. Because I'm like, smart. oh, I don't need it. I'm yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> I got this. I'm yeah. good. No, that that's makes awesome. so much sense. Oh my goodness. Sandra, you shared so many good nuggets with us today. I really hope that our community found this as valuable as we did. And we are not done yet because our favorite part is now we are coming up to some rapid fire. We always say that we should probably change the name. It's not necessarily no. rapid fire. It's just, <laughs> uh, so don't stress. It's going to be super easy. Um, but we want you just to share some, you know, background to who you are with our listeners before we sign off for today. So I'm going to kick things off with the first question. And again, just say the first thing that comes to your mind could be quick. It could be long, whatever you feel in the moment. You ready? Ready. Okay. Where's your favorite place in the world to be? The barn where my horses are. Oh, nice. You have horses? How many? Yeah, two. I, I recently just bought a second one. I have a horse and now I bought a little pony. <laughs> oh, what are their names? My horse is Java. So he's like my riding horse and, you know, my 
my little soul baby. I love him very much. And then I just <laughs> bought this tiny little pony. She's 20 years old. She's like a senior pony. Her name is Cricket. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's the cutest thing ever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I That's love so it. Awesome. Now we're seeing a change in seasons. What would be a nice comfort food this time of year for you? Um, this time of year, the only thing that I can really think about, but it's at all times every day I would eat it. <laughs> I really like like tortilla chips. That's really like my go-to. I love any kind of salty snack. Oh that's, yeah. That's my go-to. I'm a salty, salty yeah. snack. That's fair. I like salty and sweet. I like all of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think if there's like something seasonal that I really like. Actually, there is now that I think about it. There's something that I only tend to eat, tend to drink actually in the fall and in the winter. And it's just like miso broth. So mm, you take oh, like miso yeah. paste with really yeah. hot water and I drink it like tea because I'm not really a tea drinker, but yeah. miso broth is really, really, really good. Okay. If you had a theme song, what would it be? Oh my God. A theme song. <laughs> I love, you know what? Um, there's this song. I don't know if you know Emmy Lou Harris. But mm-hmm. she has a song called Born to Run. It's like this old, she's like this older folks, yeah. folk singer. She might be in her 60s or 70s now. But yeah, Born to Run. Emmylou Harris, that's my theme, my life theme song. I love nice. that. Yeah. All right. Do you have a particular TV show that brings all the feels for you right now? Um, I mean, it's really embarrassing. But right now I'm watching uh, The Vampire Diaries. <laughs> oh, that's not embarrassing. I never That's watched awesome. it when it was on, like when I was a teenager, you know, I feel like I should have been watching it as a teenager because yeah. that's when it was on and I should have, but I never got into it. Turns out at 33, I love it. <laughs> awesome. It's never too late. Never, too, never late. too late. I just started watching Gilmore Girls like that my, oh, only because so of good. my daughter though. I yeah. never watched it when I was younger. Oh, I've watched, watched that a few it times. too. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, who was your idol when you were growing up? My idol. I mean, as I can say Louise Hay when I was like more teenager and later on in life. Oh, I loved David Attenborough and Jane Goodall a lot when I was a little girl. Like I'm a big animal lover. So I I really was into those. And like Steve Irwin, you know, I really wanted to be him when I would grow up. I thought I would like... I thought I would live in Africa somewhere with like lions in my backyard. Oh, and- yeah. <laughs> I really thought that that could have happened, but it could still okay. happen. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll you see. never know. <laughs> like, you don't think I can get my husband okay. on board with that one. <laughs> oh my gosh. This has been so fun. I'm going to ask one last question, I, but I can't actually, this time has just flown by. I and um, I want to end with something wrapped around, you know, what we have here at Revolution Her as our goals. But I would love to know, what do you wish more women would do for themselves? I would like probably say no more. I think, yeah, yeah, I would probably want women to say no more, to tune other people out more. And I don't want to say forget about men, but... (laughs) (laughs) Put, put them more on the back burner in a sense and just other people in general, you yeah. know, and to, to really focus on your own goals and desires as an independent person, independent from the other roles that you might have of being wife, daughter, sister, mother, you know, yeah. but to really just be more 
the ind- to focus really on the individual yeah it's so true because when you look at like you you, when we have all these roles um it's very easy for us to be influenced by a lot of the people around us whereas we really need to identify who we are and what our wants and goals are so I that's that's beautiful and even to think in terms of if you had to introduce yourself to someone and you couldn't define yourself by the roles what would be left If you couldn't introduce yourself by saying, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, or even your, your job title, what, how would you describe yourself? How would you introduce yourself? Like what, what remains? And Mm -hmm. if it feels like there's not much that remains, that's what I want women to focus on growing and nurturing, you know, and build, building up. So I don't have a really succinct way of describing that, that. but that's what I want. That's what I want women to focus on. Ah. I love that. I, you know, our goal here is for always women to just feel like this, this understood me, this episode really got to Mm. me, this woman that we're talking to really like fits into my life aspirations. And so we want women to come away inspired and definitely you've helped us do that today. Thank you so much, Cassandra. We've got lots in our toolkit today. Yeah. Yeah. I think you guys are just easy to impress. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) maybe, but I don't think so. (laughs) No, you're absolutely lovely. Uh, (laughs) And for all our listeners, you know, if today's episode uh, inspired you in some way, and you can think of other women in your life that would also be inspired or motivated by today's episode with Cassandra, please share. We've proudly supported over 60,000 women across North America and are looking forward to welcoming more into our community every single day. And we couldn't do that without you. So on behalf of myself and Grace and obviously Cassandra, thank you so much for being here. Uh, We thank all of you for joining in and tuning into this episode today. And until we see you again, enjoy the rest of your day. Bye, Bye. everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you.